Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo. The crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. Trevor Collins spent more than two decades dealing with the horror and anguish of road trauma in Victoria Police's Major Collision Investigation Unit. The former detective leading senior constable is a brilliant collision investigator and qualified by the courts as an expert in the field. Trevor was passionate and dedicated about ensuring justice was not only seen to be done, but achieved for the victim of any road trauma, their families and their friends. He's been described as fearless in finding the truth, absolutely committed and ferociously loyal in his work. In 2017, he received an Australian Police Medal or an APM for his efforts. Hi Trevor and a big warm welcome to The Crime Couch. Thanks Rochelle. Uh, I'm a little bit apprehensive. I'm not used to answering questions. I'm used to asking them, but let's go ahead. I think you'll be fine Trevor. It's all good. You became a cop at 30 years of age. Why did you change your careers and decide to join the job? It's a little bit funny, but I'd always wanted to do it. But, you know, coming straight out of school, I was too young. Um, I wanted some life experience. And I actually worked for 13 years for Tupperware as a toolmaker, starting as an apprentice. And it wasn't long after my wife and I paid off our first house that I uh, went and saw my boss at the time and said, well, that's what I've achieved and I'm off. I'm going to join the police force. And we were free of debt and it made it easy. Was there anyone in the family? Because generally that's what drags you in, isn't it? A family member or someone that you know? Uh, No, I've had no uh, family members that I know of that were in the police force. I had a good friend that was in the job, but I don't think that influenced me. I just, it was something I always wanted to do. Trevor, you graduated in 1988 and a young man who was tragically murdered was in the squad ahead of you, if I recall. Yeah, Damien Eyre. We didn't form a really close relationship, but I spoke quite often with Damien and he gave me uh, tips and heads up on upcoming exams and stuff like that. And, you know, we spoke quite often. Unfortunately, that relationship, if you like to call it that, didn't sort of flow beyond the police academy. I would like to think it it could have, but it didn't. I suppose we were both quite busy establishing ourselves in a new career, so it didn't go any further. And uh, the news of his death was, was pretty hard. I was going to ask you that. How did his death affect you and your colleagues at the academy at that time? Well, I'm not sure about the colleagues at the academy, but I was working at Campbellfield Police Station at the time, and one of the sergeants there, Ken Mansell, he knew Damien and Damien's family, as Ken had come down on promotion from Shepparton, and the news hit him pretty hard. I suppose we leant on each other at that time. It was hard. And I suppose it certainly brought home for everyone working in the job at that time, the dangers. You all know it, but that really must have reinforced the dangers involved in working operational as an operational member. Yeah, although I wasn't at a young age like Damien was, 30 years of age, you sort of tend to think you're mature and you can handle most things. But uh, yeah, boy, it it hit hard. and, And, you know, at Campbellfield at the time, we were working trainees too up in the in the station car because we didn't have a div- divisional van and you just wondered whether we had the experience to cope with a situation like that uh, and we didn't certainly not 
Your first station, as you already mentioned, was Campbellfield, Trevor, where you performed general duties in the Broadmeadows area. How would you describe your start in the job at that time and the crimes that you were investigating? Can you remember? Probably at that time, I was more of a follower. You know, you're a junior member and you just went and did what you were told to do and you followed along. You know, you investigated car accidents, you know, of a minor nature and really didn't get into investigating anything of a criminal nature there. I was probably there too too short a time. It was only as a junior training station. Did the night shifts at the Broadmeadows Police Station, which I really loved. Worked with some great people. What was the night shift like there? I'd imagine it'd be quite hairy. It was busy, particularly in the early hours of the morning because, you know, things sort of went quiet as far as, you know, reported crime. So you'd be out in the divan and anything you saw that moved, you'd stopped it and, and asked them what, why. And, you know, you'd just stumble across crooks. You then transferred uh, Trevor to Epping Police Station. And at that time in the late 1980s, Epping was almost, I suppose you'd describe it as semi-rural. What was the difference in policing then coming from, uh, an in, well, not in a city, but a metropolitan suburban station to a country station? It was a combination of both because south of Epping, you had Laylor and Thomastown, which were quite established areas you know, as far as people living there. And then north of Epping, there was nothing. You know, you did a lot of policing north of Epping, cars running off the road, cows on the road, you know, people dealing with you know, other people going onto their property shooting and uh, when they're not supposed to or hadn't asked for permission and stuff like that. It was just a whole range of different policing, I suppose, aspects that you had to learn. And it was a great learning experience. I enjoyed it immensely. I mean, I was the junior member by 3,000 numbers there. I was just, you know, follow me, boy, you know, do what I do or, or watch what I do. And it was a great learning experience. Trevor, is this where you started the investigation of crime? Of course, with the assistance of the local CIB. Yeah, I, I happened to be, I suppose, the fortunate one that took a crime report for a lady whose checkbook had been stolen by a, a fellow who she hooked up with one night. And uh, a number of her checks were used to purchase items, uh, fraudulently, I suppose. And I followed that through with getting you know, all the copies of the checks and, and with the advice of the CI members because, um, you know, I was inexperienced and I wouldn't say I didn't know what I was doing, but I was sort of very, not so much passionate, but I was you know, like a dog at a bone. You know, I, I wanted to get this bloke and I did. And the brief I put together, well, I got a commendation for that and I was, you know, it was just at a local level, but it was, it was satisfying. That would have meant a lot for a young member. Oh, immensely. You know, when you get called to the local chief inspector's office and you don't know why, and then he hands you this paperwork and says and congratulates you and goes through the brief of evidence that I'd put together and compliments you on it. It was, uh, wow. Yeah. Was it always destined that you'd become a, a detective, Ed? And, and what attracted you about that role? I think, like everybody who goes through the police academy, you tend to think that one day you want to be at the homicide squad. And yeah, that's that's probably a goal I had at one stage. But investigating the crimes, I don't know, I suppose I have an inquiring mind and I'm a dog at a bone sort of thing. I don't know the best way to describe it, but you know, once I decide I'd go after something, I, I went after it. And, and you know, not the, not the biggest investigations, you know, local burgs and thefts and stuff like that, but it was a starting point to follow it through you know, and just take the, the crime report or find out about it and, and follow it through was, and, and get a good result was, was satisfying. What makes a good detective, Trevor? You've got to be curious. I don't know, it's a mindset where 
I really don't know how to describe it, but you, you're just you're suspicious of everything and you want to find out and resolve those dis- suspicions. And, and that's probably, I don't know, I really don't know the best way to describe it. It's just you, you want to get into a job and, and get it done. It seems to me you also have to have the ability to peel back the initial impressions of anything. It's not like, as you said, you've got a suspicious mind, but you kind of don't take anything for granted. No, and, and look, certainly in later years, after experiencing a number of contested trials, you tended to look at it a completely different way. You'd look at, all right, you, you had to go after your evidence to prove your points of proof to, to solve the crime. But you also had to um, learn to satisfy things like what sort of questions is a barrister going to ask you in court about certain aspects of something, and you had to make sure that you were prepared for that. And, and even if it, it went into the brief of evidence as part of you know evidence that really wasn't factually useful to prove the case but it it certainly stopped the the barristers in their tracks they couldn't ask that question because you'd essentially covered it in your brief. At Reservoir you also experienced your first murder didn't you? What happened? I think you mentioned there were two murders in one night? Yeah I was working a van shift it was later in the week I can't remember if it was a Thursday or Friday night or, or even a Saturday night I get a bit vague these days but we'd been working the van shift and there was a a murder committed in West Heidelberg, and of course we had to go over there and, and be utilised as part of the crime scene guard, you know, certainly well beyond our investigative abilities, but you got to see what had happened, and, and unusually in that case is that the local DSG were following a certain chap at the time, and he was one of the, well, he was, he was the one that committed the murder, and the DSG actually watched it occur. So that was an unusual aspect of that, and once we'd finished the crime scene guarding, duties that night uh, back to the police station and it would have been the early hours of the morning and I got changed and I was actually preparing to ride my push bike home and I was saying goodbye to the the watch house keeper at the reservoir police station and this car drove up to the front of the police station and it was in the corner of a little car park uh, at reservoir at the time and it just drove straight in towards the front door of the police station and stopped and this bloke came in screaming she's been stabbed she's been stabbed and we said well who and he said my wife she's in the car so I grabbed a first aid kit, and I'm in bike gear at the time. It must have looked marvellous. Jumped the counter, took the first aid kit out. She's in, in the front seat, sorry. I laid the seat down, tore open her shirt, and there was just this one stab wound in the middle of her chest. And all I could do was cover it with a, a pad and keep pressure on it until the ambos arrived. And they said, you know, you'd done all that you could. And they loaded her up and took her to Preston or well, Panch Hospital at the time. And she died about half an hour later, to the best of my knowledge. That was my second exposure on the night. When the duty officer turned up, he got us all back into uniform and we spent the night there giving statements for the Homicide Squad. And just before we were sent home, the Homicide Squad, Peter O'Connor, whom I know quite well, is a neighbour of one of my sister-in-laws, he came to us and said, well, you want to come with us and watch us arrest an offender for for murder? So down to Northcote we went and we arrested this lady's ex-husband, Afghans they were, and... Apparently he was aggrieved at her getting remarried, so he went up to Reservoir and stabbed her to death. Wonderful. Extraordinary introduction into crime and murder at a relatively young age. Well, not so much young, but I suppose a junior age for a copper, you know, as far as length of service goes. Yeah, um, Reservoir was a, a great police station to work at, 24 hours and no cells. You couldn't ask for anything better. Great crew. Yeah, we had some great social functions, but, you know, you could... Turn up there on an afternoon shift, get ready and go out in the van and come back 15 minutes later with a car thief. No problems. (laughs) 
you then transferred, Trevor, on promotion to Heidelberg West. This is supposedly at that time it was a rougher part of town. What was that like? The first afternoon shift I did there, I thought I was being set up to get attacked or something. It was unnerving and you had to be really on top of your game. I know just some of the characters that that roamed the streets in West Heidelberg and and at the local shopping centre. You know, Reservoir was was rough, but this this place topped it. Great experience, though. Oh, look, it was. And look, one of the recollections I have is uh, one of the... Well, he's an acting sergeant there, Dennis Domo, and he knew the area like the back of his head. He'd been there for many years. I was working watch housekeeper duties there one day, and this young bloke, Craig Dow, came to report on bail. And in the previous weekend, this was a Monday... And during the weekend previous, a headless female's body was found and without hands in the lake at Latrobe University. And I'm standing there and Dennis came in and stood beside me and he looked at this bloke and he said, that was you, wasn't it, Craig? And this bloke just turned around and ran out the door. And it was him. He was investigated by the Homicide Squad and they, they he was charged with murder and, and went down. That's just the place it was. A regular car thief, you know. I He came in to report on bail one day and I took him into the interview room and and sat him down and just said, oh, OK, um, Sam, tell me what you've been up to. And he starts admitting to all this thing on all these cars. Incredible. It's a great experience, though, isn't it, like to get your teeth into those sorts of areas. It was here at, at Heidelberg that you secured a place in the accident investigation course. What motivated you to look at and want to be part of this sort of form of investigation? I'd probably investigated my first probably near-fatal accident when I was at Epping. And it happened in Plenty Road when Plenty Road was just a single road with two lanes going either way at South Morang. And somebody ran off, well, not ran onto the wrong side of the road and, and collected a car coming the other way. So I investigated that, asked questions of the what was then the accident investigation section. When I came up against a hurdle in the investigation that I had no idea about, I rang and asked for advice. And similarly, when I was at Reservoir, uh, a fatal accident outside La Rundle. It used to be the mental hospital where a, a patient had stepped in front of a, a, a truck coming down the hill. And again, I sought advice from the accident investigation section because they actually came out that night, not so much out of interest, but, you know, if, if it was within striking distance that I later learned, uh, if it was within striking distance from the office, off you go and help out. So they did, and it was a, a learning experience, and it got me interested in the type of work that they did. In the course, Trevor, what did you learn about accident investigation? Obviously, you're not going to be able to discuss it all now, but how does it differ from other crimes that you would investigate? What What are the, the points of evidence you've got to secure? Well, firstly, when you go to one of these scenes, it's um, it's the physical evidence that you primarily focus on, or there's, there's two aspects. If you've got a surviving offending driver who may or may not be alcohol affected, but you had to investigate that aspect of it and usually they were either taken off to a police station to be breath tested and drug tested or they were taken to a hospital and a blood sample would be taken so you made sure that that aspect of the investigation was covered primarily but then you had all the physical evidence at the scene you had to prove who was at fault and how it actually occurred and and the way you go about that is looking at all the marks on the road uh, and comparing it with the damage to the vehicles and you can put together a fairly clear picture if you know what you're doing, uh, of how these things occurred or how a particular incident occurred. How important is it that the investigator advocates for the victim in a road trauma accident? Well, certainly early on when I was doing it, there was no one else. Uh, We were it. 
they looked for answers because um, most of the time, you know, these uh, events occurred when they weren't about. And um, the only one that could answer the question on how it actually happened and what happened uh, were the investigators. You didn't have anyone in between you and the, the victim's family. You were it. And it was, again, a big learning curve on how to deal with these people in a empathetic fashion to try not to alienate them. And secondly, not to make their experience any worse. Um, that was that was a big thing for me, especially when it got to court. I always told victims' family that you've been victimised once by what occurred. You are about to be victimised again by our court system. Be prepared for it because it's going to happen. Trevor, you then transferred to Mill Park Police Station, a quieter part of the world. What was that like? That was a completely new experience altogether because... Um, at the time, a new police station in a fairly new residential area. You didn't have your established, I suppose, crooks living in the area until later on when some of them started moving into the western side of Mill Park. Certainly initially, nothing was happening. You had to travel far and wide to find something to do. So we'd be sneaking down into Thomastown and the <laughs> Reservoir and over into Heidelberg just to find something to do. And did you find something to do? Oh, yeah, you always found something. Like I said, um, particularly on night shifts, if it moved, you stopped it. You were then seconded to H District DSG to work as a plainclothes investigative... Well, you were involved in plainclothes investigative duties, working a bit on drug trafficking. What was your most interesting investigation there? I think you mentioned about a high-profile high OMCG. Yeah, uh, look, I won't name the group, but, yeah, there was a, uh, a high-profile motorcycle gang that we were part of an investigation of. There was a separate small task force that were working on them directly. And of course, we were used as, I suppose, their support and backup. We did many, many hours on listening devices and, and surveillance and, and stuff like that. And in the end, we got a, a really, really good result. I remember it was a Wednesday afternoon in October and we raided a house over in uh, Yarrambat. And uh, I forget the value of the drugs that we got now, but we'd missed half of it. Uh, the information was that it was just a huge amount delivered to this property via an interstate truck. We went in there at about four o'clock in the afternoon from memory. And yeah, half of it we knew it had already been moved off by a motorcycle gang member. But you know, we were going in there with the information that they had automatic firearms and, and here's us with our little <laughs> six shot pea shooters and uh, in we went. It was It was scary. But um, a good result that led further to uh, for the for the small task force to uh, take it with the Australian Crime Commission or whoever they were at the time, and uh, led back to the the source in Brisbane where they conducted raids and got a, an enormous amount of drugs, four hundred million dollars, I think. And I've seen the photos. You know, there were just benches covered with this stuff. And, you had to have a fair amount of daring do as a detective in those days because there was limited SOG and there were certainly no cert members there to assist you. Well, I mean, for that particular raid in Yarrambat, the SOG were requested and that's probably why we missed half of it because it, it took so long, not so much for the request to go in, but for the decision to be made that, no, the SOG, this isn't important enough or dangerous enough. Um, so they didn't come. Yeah, we did it on our own. Fortunately... At the time, we had an ex-SOG member as one of the sergeants at DSG, and he did an incredible amount of training with us for those sort of situations. Um, the old 
mental hospital buildings over in Larundel and, and in behind there. We'd go in there smashing windows and breaking down doors and under his tutelage and it was quite good. How do you think your police experience, Trevor, set you up to work in the Major Collision Investigation Unit? Gee, that's a difficult one because I don't think, you know, apart from the serious accidents I had attended that I've already spoken about, I don't think anything really prepares you for what you're going to see and that's the thing you know even when you do the the accident investigation course you see photos and and things but nothing as graphic as when you actually get out there and and see it for yourself you know I attended quite a few before I was given the opportunity of taking on an investigation of one and 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 even my first one was the circumstances uh, were unusual in that um, it was on dark road at a place uh, Coolart Road down in down the other side of Hastings and uh, as dark as dark no, no street lighting. So in those situations, you rely on the local SES to turn up with all their lighting equipment, and they, they seem to take forever. And when they did get there, they apologised profusely because one of their members hadn't turned up, so they set up their lights turned on, and there's there's their missing member laying in the, the drain at the side of the road. She'd been hit from behind by a, a drunk driver. It was traumatic for them. They had to leave their equipment and, and leave the scene. And I dealt with... Um, that particular victim's family for quite some time. The drunk driver, and he was, I can't remember the level of his drunkenness at at the moment, but um, he ended up contesting the matter at court. I mean, it it went to trial, and on the second day of the trial, he pleaded guilty, but he put that family through hell, you know, three years after the collision. And I suppose part of their difficulty was they had to deal with me for three years. But, you know, they, they were not continually asking ringing up and asking questions. They were lovely people. They were elderly people. She was the last of their children and at 29 years of age. So they were in their late 60s, early 70s. And yeah, it was one of the most difficult nights I've ever spent in the police force was taking victim impact statements from them, from, them, from that family. You know, they had to move away from their home in Summers, beautiful home right on the beach, moved up near family, other family members near Wood End. Just the lasting effects of these things. Do you think when you started, it wasn't, of course, called the Major Collision Investigation Unit, it was the Accident Investigation Unit in 1996. Do you think you really had any idea what you were actually getting into, Trevor? Oh, yeah. Look, after doing the course, I had a fairly good idea. Uh, the course itself was um, was a great learning experience. You know, it's, you, you're meant to go there to learn. You know, doing accident reconstruction, I mean, I'm by no means an expert in that level, you know, working out the speeds that cars were travelling at because it can get pretty complicated depending on the circumstances. But in other circumstances, it's relatively easy and I could work out the easier ones. And I actually had a use for the maths and physics that I learned in Form 5 in Applied Science at school. I often wondered, when am I ever going to use this stuff? And (laughs) there it was doing the accident investigation course. But you learned investigative techniques there, specifically relating to motor vehicle collisions, uh, particularly hit-run collisions where you had to find an offending vehicle and they're, well, not so much the, the offending vehicle. Sometimes they leave the vehicle and leave on foot and you have to find them and track them down. But, you know, the techniques involved in doing that. So, Trevor, finally, and we're going to do a two-part interview with you, so this will be the last question for this interview. But what drove you to stay in this really challenging and often very traumatic work in road traffic accidents and investigation? I know it sounds silly, but I love the work. When people ask me similar questions, you know, when I've been out at social functions and decided, yeah, I'll talk to you about it, I often said it's like CSI on the telly where they do all the crime scene investigation and forensic work because that's what we did. We did all the photos, we did all the measuring, all the collecting of physical evidence and everything at the scene and then you either had to track down the crook if it was a hit run or you had a crook waiting for you back at a police station or in a hospital. 
and you had to go and do the interviews like they do on CSI. And that's the easiest way to explain it. You did everything. It wasn't like, you know, I'd, I'd experienced um, from doing temporary duties at the CI at, at Epping that you called other people in to do, you know, the forensic type work and you only followed up and interviewed the crook. But to be doing everything, it was it was so interesting. So, and, and I loved it. Well, Trevor, we'll talk more about your work in the next interview. And thank you very much for sitting with me on the Crime Couch today. Pleasure. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time 